us expand your perception of the kingdom and how it's to work in the day and age that we're in. He will put resources at your disposal that will cause you to triumph in the land. And it may mean more labor than just gathering the manna, but it will be satisfying to eat the fruit of the land. And so there's a challenge of the Lord here. All just, I just hear God saying something to you. You're in a time of transition, a time of change, a time of of uh, things shifting, but that doesn't mean that the old ways are necessarily better than the new things that God has. And it may mean more labor involved from you, but I've discovered that there's a joy in labor. There's a joy when you're accomplishing something with your hands and you're finishing tasks and you're looking at something and say, look what's been done. There's a joy. If you, have you, anybody ever had a garden? There's a joy in that, isn't there? Plowing the earth, planting the seeds seeing that thing grow, eating the produce, putting things, canning. And there's a joy in the middle of the winter as you're enjoying that strawberry preserves or whatever it is you put up. There's a, and you remember there's a joy and a satisfaction in the labor of our hands. It's not just hard work, but there's a joy connected to it. And there's a joy that God has for you and a release that He has for you. And there's some things that He wants to teach you. And what He's saying is don't hang so tightly to the old ways that you miss the new things that God has. The new, the new techniques, the new whatever it is that he wants to bring your way. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. And the Pharisees, having heard that he did silence the Sadducees, were gathered together unto him. And one of them, a lawyer, did question, tempting him and saying, Teacher, what is the great command of the law? And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy understanding. This is a first and great command, and the second is like to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two, the two, on these, the two commands, all the law and the prophets do hang. And finally I heard the Lord say that he was with you even in the difficult times, that he's encouraging you to remember who you are and to let the love of God be the underlying factor in your decisions and your direction. When you don't seem to have a word, remember the word love. And it will be an anchor of your soul and will lead you in the right path. This love is the agape love that comes from God. It means to love in a social and moral sense. Now, sometimes we may not feel love for a person, but what we do expresses the deepest kind of love. It was Jesus hanging on the tree, and I'd have a hard time being convinced that he felt what we normally think of as love or what Hollywood portrays as love as he hung up there in absolute pain and utter agony and total despair that he was feeling love. Oh, look at him. He was just in agony. But the fact that he was there was the greatest expression of love that there ever was. You see, the fact that he went there, the fact that he had a choice about it. He didn't have to be there. He could have been somewhere else. But he was there by choice. He was going there. And I believe that this, this love is to, God is saying it's to dictate what you do, the decisions you're making. And even if you don't have a word on a thing, you just say, what would love do? What would Jesus do? I saw somebody had one of those bands. What would, he would do what love would do. And it may be pricey. It might be costly. That's oftentimes why we avoid that because that kind of love costs us something. It's easy to love somebody that's loving you back, that's doing what you want, but it's difficult to love somebody in which you're not getting any return. 
And it's that, that's the kind of love that's convincing to the world that Jesus is real. It's not just religion, but it's blessing people, putting a roof on somebody's house that's been giving you a hard time, <laughs> you know, taking up an offering for someone who's your worst enemy, going to visit someone who's going through trouble and all they've done is badmouth you, and there you are at their door with the baskets of food and the blessings, and I'll tell you what, that turns things around. I had a neighbor one time in this house. We'd moved in there, and we didn't know he even lived there. We just thought it was this lady living by him by herself, and we had meetings in our home during that time on Wednesday nights, and we'd have 30, 40 people show up at our house, and we lived in a cul-de-sac, so cars were everywhere, and all of a sudden, this, this motorhome showed up, and this guy there, man, he was just grouchy. He was, he'd yell at people, and I'd try to, I'd see him in the morning, I'd say, good morning, he'd just ignore me, wouldn't even look at me. And one day after, one night after church, some of the little old ladies, you know, these are like ladies up in their 70s, they were leaving the house, and he was out there cussing at them and yelling at them, and and I was just happened to be leaving with a couple of the elders in the car, and I saw this going. I said, "Stop the car!" So I'd had it. <laughs> I jumped out of the car and walked up to him. And I have, you have to understand, I was a weightlifter. <laughs> I was as big as I am now, and it was all muscle. <laughs> and I knocked on his door. Man, I didn't know those guys. They didn't know what I was. I didn't know what I was going to do either. He opened that door, and he looked up at me like his eyes were about this big, and. And I just spoke to him. I said, listen, I said, somehow we got off on the wrong foot. I said, I'd like to be a good neighbor wherever I go. Somehow I've offended you, and I just ask you to forgive me for that. He just looked at me. He didn't know, and I just walked away. The next day, my mom brought a big case. Of, she worked for the Florida uh, Highway Department, and they would get this beautiful Silver Queen corn out of the glades. And she brought me a bunch of corn. I put six ears in a bag and took it over and said, here, this is for you. I want you to know that man melted. He hated everybody in that neighborhood. He hollered and cussed at the kids, but my kids were like his grandkids. <laughs> if I needed a tool, I could just go. I mean, this, my house was his house. He had a tan, just let the kids go back and pick. I mean, it's like we were family. He didn't like anybody else, but he liked us. <laughs> Friend, you can overcome evil with good. My first impulse was just to smash him down, you know, and just slap some sense into him and then just tell them how the way things were going to be. But that's not the way Jesus would do it. See, Jesus, understand what I'm saying? So our natural man, that's what our natural man would do, but Jesus has a different way of dealing with things. And when we do it Jesus' way, it works. And so even if you don't have a word, you got a word, love. Love. It's laying down, self-sacrificing, doing it for Jesus kind of love. Now, I've got some wholesale prophecies here. What that is, it's prophecies that deal with, with uh, usually groups of people. That happens uh, sometimes in churches. And so I've got four wholesale prophecies this morning. I'm going to read them out to you. I got them while we were worshiping. There are those who feel they are in a drought in their lives right now. You feel like you're in a spiritual drought. And God said that I was to pray and release a refreshing, release showers over your lives and over your family's lives now. I'm sure that's not everybody in this church, but there's some here. You're just in a spiritual drought right now, and your soul is crying out for the reign of God. If that's you, stand quickly to your feet. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for you. You're in a time of spiritual drought. I think it's real powerful. This is 
if uh, those that are seated near these folks, if a few folks could gather around them. Just if you need to get up out of your seat to do it, gather around them. Just lay hands on them and begin to pray with me and begin to... We're just going to release the blessing of this word. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, uh, there's, there's people over here yet that have no one praying with them. Come on, folks, open your eyes up. Get out of your seats and move. This is body ministry. I'm in charge now. Amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. It won't hurt you to pray for somebody. Amen. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we command the blessing upon these individuals, upon their, their homes, upon their families, upon their marriages. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you for sending rain upon their lives, the rain, the refreshing showers that come from heaven. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' holy name for doing for them what nobody else can do. Lord, words won't do it. It's, it's going to take your power. We just release that virtue. We release that, that refreshing upon them today. The joy of the Lord is their strength. Lord, we just thank you for just a tidal wave of refreshing, floods of encouragement. Lord, as they open the Word up tomorrow morning, as they get up early in the morning and open that Word, Lord, and you're going to begin to speak to them. And you're going to say things that their souls are going to savor in the name of Jesus. And they're going to sense a new flow of life and refreshing from the Word of God. It's going to feed their souls, Father God. We bless them. We bless it to them. We release them in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise God. I went through a little revival myself where I just began to realize I hadn't heard from God in an awful long time. I heard from Him for other people. But I had done what I had always said I wouldn't do. I'd become a professional minister. <laughs> I always said I'd never do that, but I did. It just slipped up on me. And I realized that I'd, I was only in the Word to get messages and to hear from other people. So I decided I'm just going to get up early in the morning and just spend time just with one chapter a day and just linger over it. I don't know about you, but I could just read three or four chapters and not even remember one thing I read because my mind is somewhere else. And I'm reading the words, but I'm thinking this. And, I'm th and so I just decided, I'm, and I'd have to fight myself to come back, but I, as I begin to slow my mind down and just linger over one chapter a day, I can't begin to tell you what that did for me and how God began to speak to me and began to open up things for me. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Number two, I saw several families and individuals being dealt with in the financial arena. And the Lord is challenging you to growth in your benevolent giving. And uh, your giving will open great doors of opportunity for the gospel. Remember, we don't get all of our rewards here. Some are for the hereafter. And so if you're giving with the idea that you're going to get a new boat or a new, you know, then you, you, you may be given for the wrong reason. But God will open blessings and he will reward, won't he? And so there are, there are several. I saw some families and individuals. And uh, God dealing with you about this. Stand up where you are. We're going to pray with you. He, he wants you to release some, some things into, into the ministry, into the... I think there's a few more. Maybe you don't want to admit it because then that means you'll have to... But it's you you know, and you won't escape by not standing. 
<laughs> that all right? You won't escape by not. God knows you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> so now this is for your blessing too. You see, it isn't just because He's trying to squeeze something out of you. This because there's a blessing connected to giving. The Bible said it's more blessed to actually give than it is to receive. And how many likes to receive something? That's great, isn't it, when, someone re when you receive something? That's wonderful. But the Bible said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Well, that's just totally un-American, isn't it? <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for a new... Let's gather around these folks again. I think you ought to catch on by now that, that uh, you know, it's as we pray together and agree together that things happen. Lord, so we just thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, some folks that needed the refreshing, that God's also saying this to you. There may be, uh, no, nah, probably not. That's probably just coincidence. But, but uh, <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for a release of faith. Lord, there's even some that want to give, but they don't have the means to give because they're so in hock. But God, I just pray that you'll make a way anyway that there'll be a supernatural supply, and in their giving, God, that you'll begin to even break the power of uh, indebtedness over their lives, Lord. And, Lord, it's not about the amount we give. It's the heart we give it in. And so I just pray, Lord, for just a real release of faith and that they'll be joyful, prompt-to-do-it givers, the kind you do not want to do without in your kingdom. You said you wouldn't do without someone like that. You, want them, you, you like to hang around people like that because that's who you are. You're a prompt, loving to do it, giver, Lord. You love to give. And I just thank you that these folks are going to begin to participate in the law of divine flow as God himself is going to just flow through them into other people's lives, into mission, into benevolent giving, into just acts of kindness, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And it's going to bring a real release in their own lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the witness this is going to be to people in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there any water? A number here are sensing a call to work in the vineyard and the harvest. Now, you can't see exactly what you're to do, and it has actually stopped your forward momentum. You've sensed something. You know, like God has something for me, but because you haven't clearly seen it, you're just sort of in neutral, you know, and you're not doing anything. And so uh, the Lord would have you to stop trying to see so far forward. Instead, look at what's before you in the now. And uh, just put your hand to what is there, and you'll grow into what is to be. So whoever you are, stand up. That's your word this morning. Thank you. That's an easy trap to fall into, isn't it? We sense a call. It's out there somewhere. But I know God has something for me to do. I'll tell you one thing, and God always leads to another thing. And there's things right now that you can get plugged into. You say, well, that's not what I'm called. How do you know? Basically, what you're saying is that's not what I want to do. <laughs> that's not what I want to do. <laughs> but see, what that may be what it takes to get you to where God wants you to, to be. You see, it's, uh, it's the person who's in motion that can be led, the person who's just standing still and parked or in neutrals. 
hard to get you anywhere. And so you need to plug into what's before you. There'll be opportunities and you may, you know, they may ask for folks to do this or that. You know, why shouldn't you be the first in line? Why shouldn't you just stir yourself up and just even, you may discover that you like what you're doing. But what you will discover is if you're doing something, it's going to lead you to something else. And so, Lord, I just, now, here we go, folks, come on. Get out of your seats and this is, uh, we're, you're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry, so I'm just here to show you how to do it. It's your job to do it. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just release these brothers and these sisters. Lord, there's things out ahead for them, and Lord, there are some here actually who are doing some things. Not everybody who stood up is doing nothing. And I thank you for them, and I acknowledge that, Lord. They are doing some things, but there's still things out ahead that they can't see. And, and those of you that are doing something, take heart because your forward momentum is going to carry you into the will and purpose of God. And there's others that are just, they, they, they sense a desire and a want. You need to understand something. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. Now, that's not just about salvation, but that's also access to the sheep. And so your ministry is in God's hands. It's not the church's place to put you in the ministry. It's not the preacher's place to put you in the ministry. It's not some ministerial association's job to put you in the ministry. Only Jesus can open the door to the sheep. Now, they can provide opportunities and ways for training and things to get plugged into, but Jesus has your ministry in his hand, and as you're faithful to the things he brings along for you to do, you're moving more and more toward it. So I just encourage you, just get plugged in. It's probably not going to be your life call that you do, but just do it anyway and be faithful in what you do. And God has a plan. He's going to bring you in. He's going to carry you forward into it. And it may take a while to get there because you're going to be going through a process. God's going to process you so that you become not just a man of God, but God's man or God's woman. He's going to put his character in you and he's going to put... Uh, his life in you and his anointing in you. That doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen. The most disappointing day of my life was when I was ordained into the ministry. You know why? Because I was the same. I thought something was, did you, Byron, did you think when they laid hands on you, all of a sudden you're going to be, be super, Byron? Didn't work. They're just still Byron, you know. <laughs> you know, so laying hands on, having a paper with a degree, no, friend, it's a walk with God. And I just encourage you, some of you just haven't started the walk yet. You sense the call, you see, have a sense of vision, but you haven't started the walk yet. God said, put your foot on the path, put your hand to the plow, and don't look back, and He is going to get you to destinations in. And Lord, we just release these people to be all you've called them to be. We pray for a release of grace and anointing and unction to function upon their life in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> don't get too comfortable, there's one more. And... Uh, some here are close to breakthrough in the Lord. And after I wrote this, I heard Pastor talking about breakthroughs. And I see you... Uh... <laughs> okay, <laughs> trying to read my writing here. I can see you coming forward. That's why I got a computer. I can't read my own writing. I see you coming forward and then pulling back. It's like people that were going up to uh, you know, a, a situation and they get real close and they just drop back whether it's because of discouragement or whatever. Uh, you see, the, the flesh suffers a lot during breakthrough. David stood before an army of Amalekites and uh, Philistines and everything. He'd just been 
Meg King, and these folks had come out to celebrate with him. <laughs> Actually, they'd come out to destroy him. They said, if David was a thorn in our flesh when he was just a leader of a ragtag mob, what's he going to be now that he's king? Let's just nip this thing in the bud. And they lined up with all their tents and their cavalry and everything. And David, who was a man of war and who had spent 30 years battling Philistines, if anybody knew Philistines, David was an expert on Philistines. He'd lived amongst them. He'd fought them. He'd, and you know what he did? He said, God, what should I do? He said, is this your battle or mine? That's a good thing to know, isn't it? If you're going to get in a fight, is it your fight or somebody else's? I think a lot of us wear ourselves out fighting battles that are not ours. We spend our resources and our time and our testimony because we're fighting some battle somebody else thinks we ought to fight. All you got to do is listen to enough talk shows and be, get enough emails and, and get enough mail. Man, you could, be, you could be spread all over in every fight and battle there is. You need to know which one's yours. And David said, is it, and God said, it's, you know, you're going to fight this fight. And, uh, you know, he said, well, another thing, am I, am I going to win? <laughs> That's a good thing to know, too. And he said, you're going to win. Now, see, God called him to fight, but God also called him to win. But he didn't just stand back and then just, see, the Bible says he had to go out into battle. But as he went, God went before him. And he said it was like the breaking, it was like a dam let loose. He said Philistines were just being going, going in every, I'd never seen anything like it. And he changed the name of that place from, from uh, Baal Perazim to, from, what, he changed its name to Baal Perazim, which literally can mean master of the breakthrough. See, God is the master of your breakthrough, and he'll, he'll tell you how to do it. But, see, there, there was a price to pay. He had to strap the sword on. He had to go out and face the enemy. How many knows that's not a comfortable thing to do? They didn't fight with rifles way off yonder somewhere, hide behind trees with their squirrel guns. Friend, it was face-to-face -face with blades and spears and throwing rocks at one another with slings, and it was bloody battle. When you, when you have breakthrough before you, it's going to cost you something. The flesh suffers. The cross is established. And God's encouraging you to come forward again, even though you come up and you look, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do that. That's too much of a price. I don't know if I want to pay that price. And God is saying, come on, come forward. He has a grace to release into you that will give you strength to break through. Remember Jesus in the garden. See, our problem is a lot of times we're more self-conscious than we are God-conscious. Self-conscious. Oh, this hurts. What will people think of me? You know, what am I... You know, but see, Jesus... David was a God-conscious man. You know, he was so anointed that when he could go into King Saul's court and play and prophesy on his instrument, and Saul threw stuff. It wasn't just an oppressive atmosphere. Saul threw things at you, things with points on them. <laughs> Hello? He didn't just throw a plate. He threw spears at you. He tried to kill you. But he could just go in there in an oppressive atmosphere. He didn't, he, didn't draw, he didn't need the anointing in the room. He didn't need to have a thousand people say, Amen, go for it, brother. He just drew in that anointing that was in his life. He just began to play, and, pro and his, the peace of God would spread out in that place. And even Saul quieted down and had some peace. So David was more God-conscious. He stood before the giant in the, in the valley there, and uh, 
you know, most people would be looking for a place to shoot at him from. Where can I find a good rock to hide behind? But not David. David ran right at the giant. Why? Because he was more God conscious. He said, I faced a bear, I faced a lion. He said, you're just an uncircumcised dog. God gave me the lion, he gave me the bear. I tell you what, that, that bear today, that, that fellow is a rug in front of Mama's fireplace. And that lion, his head is hanging over the wall. Buddy, your head's going to be in my hand in about a minute. Here I come. And he didn't just skirt around. And man, he ran right at him and whopped him right between the eyes with a rock. Took his head. Why? Because he was God. He was conscious of who he was fighting. He says, you come at me with spear and javelin and shield. I come at you in the name of the Lord God. But friend, that cost him something, to be God conscious. And there's people that are self-conscious. Jesus prayed in the garden. He was self-conscious, a self-conscious person like all. Oh, he had a self, he had a life, and you know, here he was facing the greatest challenge of his life. Can you imagine people that live on death row? And they know the date they're going to die, the time when it's been appointed to die every morning. They get up. Don't you know they think about it? Well, I have so many days, so many hours. They just click. So that's probably part of the punishment. To just know everybody's going to die. We're not going to get out of this thing alive. But most of us don't know when. But when you're on death row, you know when. Jesus knew when from the moment he was conscious enough to know anything. I'm convinced he knew when he was going to die and how he was going to die. His whole life he was headed toward that moment. And here it was upon him. And all those emotions and all that fear and all that, he's going to be separated from his father. I believe that bothered him worse than the crucifixion. And his prayer was, Lord, is there any other way? <laughs> Lord, is there, is there just some other way we could do this? He said, not my will be done, thy will be done. He was a God-conscious person. He found strength in I believe there's some people here today, you're so self-conscious, you worry about what people are going to think about you. David was so God-conscious, he danced around in his fruit of the looms. <laughs> All over town. It wasn't just in his bedroom. He was just, his wife looked out the window in disdain. He says, you've dishonored yourself. You know, he says, if you think that's something, you just hang around. I'm going to do a better job of it than that. God shut her womb up because of that. But see, David didn't care. He cared more about what God thought. He didn't care about what the people thought. He just wanted to... See, and it's going to take that to be a breakthrough kind of person. God wants to deliver you from your self-consciousness. And, well, I couldn't do that. Oh, I, what if, oh no, what will people think? Oh, God is saying, lay it down. Become a God-conscious person. There's people right at the edge of breakthrough. And the thing that's stopping you is you. Because you're so self-conscious, you don't want to pay the price. But I'll tell you, you won't be a spectacle. You'll be an encouragement. You'll be a testimony to the grace and glory. And you'll encourage other people who want to break through too, but they're afraid to because they're so self-conscious. If that's you, stand up quickly. Stand up quickly this morning. God has something for you. He's spoken to your heart through this word that I've shared with you. Now he wants to release a grace in your life. You're going to get prayed for to be less... You're in, we're in big trouble. The pastor's wife's going to be prayed for to be less self-conscious. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. <laughs> You're in trouble, church. <laughs> All right, I want... Come on, let's move out of our seats here.
Father, we just pray for a good dose of grace. Come on, someone needs to come up here and pray for the pastors. We need a good dose of grace, Father, so that we can lay down our self-consciousness, Lord, our unwillingness to take hold of the cross, our unwillingness to pay the, pen, the price of breakthrough, Lord, of death to self and self-denial. Help us, O oh God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Give a grace, an abundance of grace, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that will release us from our self-consciousness and make us to be a people that are so God-conscious that we don't worry about little things like giants and we don't worry about little things like the opinions of our family. We don't worry about little things about being rejected by those who are around us. But Lord, all we care about is being accepted by Jesus. Thank you for a mighty move of God in these hearts and lives, Lord, for setting the captives free, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, we're going to move out into prophecy. Now, listen, I'm not going to guarantee everybody here a prophecy. I don't move that way. I discovered a long time, this has been a recent revelation to me, actually. Uh, I don't know how old people are when they can start having children, but it's pretty young. Isn't that true? But just because you can doesn't mean you should. Hello? I mean, there's a lot of kids having kids, and that's, they can do it, but that's not, it's not the best thing because they're not equipped it's more than just having a kid. There's a whole, I mean, you know, you just birth them and it's all over, right? Well, worst is behind you now. <laughs> if it were only so. Even after they leave, they come back. Sometimes several times. Just when you thought you could sell that house and get a smaller one, whew, there they are, you know. And so, you know, kids are a lifetime investment. Even when they get up into, you know, old age, there, you know, there's a lifetime investment there. So just because you can have, do something doesn't mean it's that you should. And just because I can reach out and get a word for you doesn't mean I should. Because when I get it and give it to you, now you're in trouble. Hello? If you think it's always a neat word and walk off and leave it, I don't think so. I think you now have a responsibility to pray into that thing, let it process your life, let it, you know, you've, you've entered into a, a time of, of now where that word's going to trouble you like it did Joseph. The Bible says.